0: Hello, everyone. I am Brandon K. Hedgepeth, and I want to welcome you all here to the Tansen Talk Show. I am so excited to be with you all on episode 15 of the show. It's really hard to believe that it was just that many weeks ago when we officially got started here on this new iteration of my podcast. But without further ado, I did want to welcome here today, Joshua Stock. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Hey, Brandon. It's great to be here, man. I remember the first time I was actually on your previous podcast, and it's been a long time since then. It's been, what, almost two years since then, if not more than that. It's been quite a long time. It's, whew, It's been a journey for both of us since then, if I'm not mistaken. You're working full time now. I've done a lot of things since then. So here we are, and it's great to be here, man.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is great to be here, and yeah, and you know, and yeah, you know, as a full time grad student, yeah, it, yeah, that definitely is is some um work. But yeah, the last time that I had you on our episode released on June thirtieth of twenty twenty one, and now it's twenty twenty three. How how crazy is that? Man, twenty twenty one. It
1: was only twenty twenty one. Oof. And it's 2023 already. Ooh, making me feel old, man. Making me feel old. That, that is pretty crazy though. Because so much has changed so significantly, especially in my life since then. Uh, because I've completely changed my lifestyle. I've completely changed education paths. I'm actually completed with my education path from now. Uh, and I'm actually hunting for jobs now as well. Uh, you, you know that personally, but I don't believe our viewers do or our listeners, depending on which platform they're listening or tuning in on. So uh, if you'd like me to, I could go into a bit more detail there, uh, or we could just jump into some other topic if you'd like me
0: to. Yeah, I definitely want to tackle that, but I did want to start off by asking, how are you doing today, Josh?
1: Uh, doing pretty good, doing pretty good, a little tired, little... A little under the weather sometimes, as they say, uh, though I would blame the fact that it has been a rainy day outside today. That usually makes some things flare up for me. Uh actually recently got a diagnosis of chronic migraine disorder, uh, but that's apparently something I've been struggling with for the past few years. Uh, I had never gotten a proper diagnosis of it, but that's certainly explained a lot of the things that I've struggled with unknowingly and it's explained a lot of the pains and struggles that I've had but now that I've actually gotten some treatments and some medications for it uh quality of life has certainly improved a lot over, especially over the last few weeks as I've gotten onto a proper dosage of the medication so if anyone out there is struggling with a similar thing any similar condition get to your doctor ask for help and hey just keep fighting through it you've got this You're going to get there eventually. It does get better once you've got the help for it. And trust me, it does. It sucks, but it does. You've got this.
0: Well, I definitely, as you always know, I wish you the best with everything. And so, yeah. So to go ahead and update our our viewers or listeners here. So the last time that I had you on, you were at the time you had just finish your, um, your first year at Virginia Commonwealth University, um, VCU, and you were, at the time, I believe, majoring in computer science with a focus in cybersecurity, and you're noting that, of course, you are, at the time, not a certified professional, and all of that fun stuff. For anyone who's watching or listening, make sure you go back to that episode of the BrandSec Podcast, where we had that whole about 37-minute discussion, but... So what has changed since then, Josh? Are you able to update us? Oh boy, a lot, a lot has changed. I am no longer a student at VCU. Uh,
1: However, I will say this. I only have good things to say about Virginia Commonwealth University. I went back to Virginia Commonwealth University for the fall semester of the 2021 school year. And over that semester, uh, a lot of things happened. I just was not... Enjoying my studies there. I wasn't enjoying my lifestyle there. I was having a great social life. I had made a ton of friends. I loved my professors. I loved the support team that I was working with. And honestly, that's why I was able to make the choices that I did so easily. Um, I had a great set of dorm mates and a great set of friends. I'm still in contact with quite a few of them up there. Uh, If Professor Deborah Duke or Dr. Carolyn Butwell hears this. Hi. It's great to see you. Great to speak with you again. Um, you all were magnificent professors while I was there and thank you all for all your support that you gave me while I was there. You were magnificent teachers and your teachings did not go unused in my future education. But in speaking with them and with some of my student advisors, including my main student success advisor, Andy, Um, I just realized that Virginia Commonwealth University's program was not for me and in the long run, college itself was not for me. The college program and the accessory courses were not going to be something that I was going to enjoy. The additional programs that I was going to have to take, the additional loops that I was going to have to jump through were not going to get me what I wanted in the long run, well, strike that. they were going to get me what I wanted had I persisted. They would have gotten me the certifications and the degrees that I would have needed, and likely some experiences in some sort of internship or something along the way, had I done a summer program along the way through VCU's processes. It would have given me what I needed. But along the way, it also would have given me a lot of debt, a lot of stress, and Another year, year and a half, two years, two and a half years worth of time that I would have spent in an environment where I just was not happy and was not able to succeed in the way that I was going to enjoy. So in speaking with professors and success advisors, I looked at other options and I brought those options to my family after the fall semester and the option that I settled on was the Old Dominion University Cybersecurity Boot Camp Program. Uh I believe that it now goes by the Old Dominion University Cybersecurity Professional Transformation Program. I'm not a hundred percent sure on the terminology now, but I would certainly say that it's a very good program. I went through it and I've been very successful through it. Um, but I ended up unenrolling from VCU. Uh that was a very smooth process. All my, all my respect and thanks to the people at VCU who made that a very streamlined and efficient process. Um, and then I enrolled into the Old Dominion University cybersecurity bootcamp program. And for the, yeah, for the last year I've been going through that program. I finished that program up in January of 2023 And through that program, I developed the skills and knowledge as a cybersecurity professional in the industry, and I trained under various cybersecurity professionals that are actively working in the industry as we speak. I developed a large network of connections within the industry with those professionals. I developed resources through their career services program to develop my resume and build my LinkedIn page so that I could hunt for a job once I'd finished out the program. And I also successfully have earned multiple certifications through that program, including my Amazon Web Services Certified Cloud Practitioner Certification and my CompTIA Network and Security Plus Certifications. So I would say that I am not necessarily the top class of certified professional, but I am a certified professional in my field now and feel a little bit better about talking about things that I know in this field. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell, I i think it shows just in the way I talk and the way I look in speaking to you. I'm much happier and much more satisfied with the way I am. And I guess one more bit of good news to top it all off. Quite literally earlier today, I sent off the last check in the mail to pay off the very last of my student loans. So uh, throughout all these decisions and risks and chances that I took, I've become completely debt-free from any student loans that I would have had through these programs and this alternative education path that I took. So I'd say that all these risks and chances and choices that I've made have paid off so far. And now I'm just hunting for a job and I'm, I've been relatively successful so far. I've got a few interviews coming up, so I'll, I'll stop rambling and let you, uh, jump in now, ask any questions you have, if you'd like to ask any questions about those, Brandon.
0: Oh, of course. And first of all, big congratulations to you, Josh, for yeah you know, for being able to pay off your student loans, a lot of people spend you know years decades yeah you know trying to do that, so you know good job with that, and good job on investing on your, in yourself Well, I' certainly got lucky
1: I'd say uh because had I continued with college, had I not chosen to bet on myself and risk it with an alternative education path uh I think how's the old song go, load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. Uh, That pretty much would have been me with continuing in college. I would have been just continuously putting myself deeper in a hole, working towards something I might not have even been able to use in the long run, or at least not as well as what I have now. Not as effectively as what I have now. I wouldn't have been able to as effectively develop my skills in that environment I would have been, wouldn't have enjoyed developing my skills in that environment as much as I did in the ODU program. I wouldn't have developed as many connections in that environment either. And I don't think that's any fault of VCUs. Let me just clarify that for any of the viewers listening or any of our people listening. VCU was a magnificent university. I have nothing bad to say about them. If you want to go for a computer science degree, And you want to go there for any sort of engineering or any sort of research degree, go for it. It is a brilliant university. They are great. They will support you all the way. They have plenty of resources and anything that you want. They will 100% support you with it. Even though they have a massive student populace, they will support you with it. I have nothing bad to say about them. They are fantastic. So good things to say about VCU. Nothing bad. But it just was not for me. I, I just, I feel like I need to keep doubling back to that for some reason. Because I know it, it feels, I know I'm not saying necessarily anything bad about it. But it feels almost like the way I'm saying things almost feels like I'm burying them a little bit. But I don't, I don't want it to come off that way. Because I truly did enjoy parts of it. I enjoyed aspects of it. It just truly was not the option that I needed though. And that's, pardon me if I, while I go off on a slight tangent here, I feel like that's a reflection of the education system as a whole in the long run in that we say college career and citizen ready too often. It needs to be career ready. Yes. Citizen ready? Yes. But we focus too much on the college aspect. We need people to have options. We need high schoolers to have options. Now, we can't really, we're not really going to give people any options to get out of high school. You've really got high school, private school, homeschool, and that's more or less it. You're not really going to give any teenagers many more options than that. Sadly, that's a non-negotiable point in society at this point. That's something we kind of have to accept. But once they're out of there, once they're 18, we need to start making trade schools and alternative paths of education more available to these special, not even necessarily special needs kids, but kids that have special interests, kids that know exactly what they want to do. And if they start developing those interests early on, we need to support those interests. We need to have special programs in high schools. Heck, even in middle schools, if we can divert more funding towards educations, if if more peace could be achieved worldwide, which I know that's a big if, especially looking at the world these days. But if we could put that into education instead and develop these young children's talents and their interests and just promote those interests and develop them into whatever they want into their life as early as middle school or even even into high school. If we can get them as early as ninth and 10th grade, I think if whether that's a STEM field Whether that's agriculture, whether that's farming, whether that's some sort of scientific research that goes beyond STEM, whether that's some sort of special sort of aeronautics, whether that's even podcasting, whether that's some sort of videography and telecommunications. We need to be able to inspire these young learners more and in different ways and give them more options than just college. Because right now all college is doing is creating more debt for these young people. And it's burying their opportunities before they even have a chance to explore them. They are coming out of college with a bachelor's degree that means next to nothing. And they're coming out of it with that degree that means next to nothing and $50,000, $60,000 of debt that they're going to take 30 years to pay off. And then on top of those $50,000, $60,000 of debt that'll take 30 years to pay off, they're trying to find either an apartment or a house. And if they go for a house, they're going to take out a mortgage, and that mortgage is going to take 30, 40 years to pay off. And that debt just keeps increasing and increasing, and they just keep getting further and further in the whole... And it just gets worse and worse for these kids. So we need to find other options for them. And I feel like if we can just inspire that hope and give them these alternative paths younger and give them that chance to take that risk and bet on themselves and give them those support systems like what I had. It'll get better for them. Sorry, tangent over. No, said. My bad. <laughs> that was that was a seven minute tangent. My bad.
0: <laughs> you were change the, the
1: podcast name from
0: Tannison Talks to Tangent Talks. <laughs> I love that, but yeah, but I mean, but what you're saying is so true, though, and yeah, and something that I was believing too is that you know we all, you know, I think we all, of course you know, in some way, shape or form are going to continue our education. It's just, you know, but there's so many different ways, you know, like you said, when you have colleges and trade schools and you know, all of these other sorts of um, yeah, amazing resources that, you know, it's like, I would love to like explore all of these resources further. And yeah. And then also too, like, you know, yes. And how would you have the education, but definitely going further, getting internships, you know, getting extracurricular experiences, joining clubs, you know, and stuff that you're able to expand on further than just the education alone, you know, making making the most of your time. Wholeheartedly agree, man. Wholeheartedly agree. It's
1: something that we need to monopolize on for everyone that can. And in a field like cybersecurity. Time is of the essence with any of these kids. The sooner that you can start teaching them about it, especially with the basics, uh, especially with the programming aspects, any sort of programming aspect,
0: you can start teaching them younger, the better. Yeah, that's definitely good to know. And something I did actually want to ask in relation to your cybersecurity boot camp is so... I know that, you know, transitioning from, you know, being a full time college student to, yeah, you know, being a part of the program. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned that, you know, now having just finished the program, I believe in January, you know. I know that you you, know, you mentioned a couple of times that yeah, you know, that you personally that you feel like a lot more better and more satisfied in who you are as yeah, a whole. And so I guess what were some of the like, I guess, outside of education transitions that allowed for you to you know, really take advantage of just being yourself and just going after opportunities? Outside of education,
1: I guess a lot of that had to deal with some of just my personal lifestyle choices um, and also just some of the personal aspects of just who I am. Uh, one aspect of that would probably be the fact that i am part of the lgbtq community i identify as gay um and i've i had a boyfriend in college he was adorable uh no more details than that because he would like to remain anonymous by his own choice uh currently we're not together but we are still friends he was nice he's awesome uh he lived I I think I can say this now. He lives up in New York. He's living the dream for his dream job. Uh, But yeah, so I feel like that inspired me to start taking some risks as well. As soon as I had come out to my family and they were supportive on that back in high school, I realized that I think some of the I don't want to say fear because I've never really been afraid of my family. I've always trusted them. I've always known that I could trust them, which I know isn't something that everyone can say about their family, sadly. But, um, I guess the, the best word for it would be fear anyways. Some of the fear faded away and I knew I could take more risks and ask more of them in the long run. Um, and then I guess another aspect of it would be some of the carefree attitude that I have a lot of the time. And I, I, I guess that the carefree attitude is just part of who I am, more or less, um, and that doesn't necessarily apply to when I go to work. When I go to work, I am determined, I'm focused a lot of the times, and I can stay focused on something for hours at a time. You know that from our camera work at telecom. You know I can do good handheld camera work. I've done football games, we've done graduations, I've done all sorts of different Positions and I can be dialed in for a good long time. But when it comes to my personal life or when it comes to making choices like that, I can push the just send it button sometimes because I'm willing to take a gamble, I'm willing to take that extra step, and I'm not necessarily worried about the consequences sometimes uh when it has consequences for other people I will consider I'll always consider the consequences but when it comes to me <laughs> sometimes that self-preservation instinct is 50/50 when I know it won't kill me I don't necessarily do the math which it can be a very good thing and a very bad thing sometimes <laughs> but th- thankfully 99% of the time it kicks in but for for something like that when i'm like i know that the highest and for for that course for that choice i knew the most likely outcome of that choice was that my quality of life would improve my happiness would improve i would be very successful and i would have i would be done a year and a half earlier and so far that's been the result and i have a couple more interviews actually over the next couple weeks and uh with luck i'll be getting a job offer from one of those with luck fingers crossed i won't name drop anything here yet because i don't i think that might violate an nda not sure i'm not going to risk it uh but the that part just outweighed anything in my brain that was saying that there, there, the smallest bit of doubt in my brain was saying, well, if you do this, you're blowing off any chance of college, going back to college you may have. You're blowing off any chance of succeeding at college you may have. You're losing all these connections at college. You're Blowing your shot. You're going to be a dropout. You're going to fail at this program. You're not going to succeed in this. You're not going to excel, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the chances that I took just far outweighed it. And I was too confident to fail in an extent. And I, I know that that sounds almost like arrogance. And to an extent, it could be considered that very, very much so. But. At this rate, I feel like I've proven it to myself enough that it is not arrogance. It is not arrogance because I have demonstrated enough that I have the skills to back it up. I have the skills and I have the ability to back up the risks that I take. So that, that's, that's pretty much the best answer I can really give to that.
0: But that is such a good answer. And in reference to the work part, yeah, I can 100% attest that, like, for those of you watching and listening, that, I mean, that Josh truly is just such a hard worker. He dedicates, like, so much energy, even when he doesn't even have the energy. He somehow manages to, like, devote so much energy to his craft and somehow, like, perform better than all of us, even at his lowest, which it's just unbelievable to me and well, but outside yeah. that, you were a great friend too well you flatter me there and i've got a feeling
1: that i've as i said i've got diagnosed with chronic migraines just a few weeks back and i think i figured out why some of those low points were low now because as i told as you can attest a lot of those times where i was struggling it was headaches and it was those sore stuff with the muscles in the side of the head and neck and apparently according to my doc Migraines. And hey, uh, Medzi's got me on. That vein's gone, so I think he's right. <laughs> Who knows? Well, here we are now. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, when we're working these next two jobs that our boss has sent us, because I'm, I'm too casual with you. We're, I need to just have my telecom shirt on, so I think of this like work or something. <laughs> Get I need to show that focus here.
0: <laughs> no, you are all good. But nevertheless, though, I'm just so glad that yeah, you know, that over these past couple of years, since the last time we heard from you on the platform, that yeah, you know, that you've just been doing well. You've been thriving what you're doing, and that you know that already. You you know you've completed your you know, your education. Was able to do. You know, to do what you love and yeah, and have time for yourself, have time for your family, and now you're doing those job applications. And hopefully, by the time this releases, you would have, yeah, you know, gotten one that you love and accepted. it. Maybe not. Maybe hold up for something more. We'll we'll have to tune in and maybe find out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will, man. Uh, that's just one of those things where we're going to have to see what happens. It's, we'll we'll tune back in two more years. This is going to be a biannual thing now or so. Uh, and if 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 that does end up being a thing, I'd be more than happy with that. That would give us an excuse to keep talking to each other, keep in contact. And hopefully in two years, I'll be overseas or something working my dream job being an active professional in this field, working a job and being successful. Making tons of money, yada, yada, yada. Oh. <laughs> I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely, you know, of course, wish you all the best. And yeah, we definitely should make this a uh, biannual thing because it's just always great speaking so with you. Can feel, and I know we've spoken offline several times, um yeah, you know, over the past two years, but it still is nevertheless just so great to speak with you and catch up to you. Cause a lot of times we don't have time for these personal conversations.
1: No. Cause again, a lot of times when we speak, we're speaking to each other at work, we're speaking at telecom. And we're again, we're in work mode there. We don't have time to catch up. I'm dialed in and you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off, trying to fix every little problem because you're trying to make sure the live stream goes live. You're dialing in one problem or another. You're getting the soundboard keyed in. I'm fixing one TD. I'm helping a rookie set up a camera. I'm pulling the cables. You're helping with the second cable pull for all. (laughs) You're helping the other rookie set up another camera because we all know that it's a team effort with the camera crews there. And it's just one big happy family there, no matter how hectic it is. Love telecom and NPS. If any of you listening are Newport News Public Schools people or have kids in Newport News Public Schools, If they get into high school and they're rising juniors or seniors, put them in the telecom program. It's college credits and part-time job if they want it.
0: I absolutely have loved my experience with the program. I know that Mm -hmm. you have. And I definitely would love to, you know, to speak about that just a little bit more. But I did want to devote some time because I know you want to dive right into the the maths or rather sciences of cybersecurity. So I'm going to go ahead and let you go ahead and start off with that. Oh, boy. Yeah.
1: Now that we've gotten the obligatory telecom promo out of the way, oh, where do I even want to start here? Uh, I I guess I should probably start with just a basic introductory of cybersecurity, shouldn't I? That, That would probably be a good place to start, wouldn't it? Because... I I know cybersecurity is a buzzword these days. It's That's more or less what it is, is a buzzword for people. It's something that you hear a lot of people throw around. It's something that you hear people say left and right. You hear all sorts of different political figures say it. You hear all sorts of news figures say it. You hear the news say it whenever there's some sort of massive hack or leak or virus going around and whatnot. And when it comes to actual cybersecurity, there's a lot more to it than just what's covered more often than not. So the best way to explain cybersecurity is that cybersecurity is one of the biggest necessities around the world right now. It is constantly undergoing technological development. It's basically in permanent development stage. It's, in my opinion, one of the most interesting and rewarding things out there as well in terms of a job or learning experience because it's something that will never grow stagnant because it is a field built upon imperfection. Cybersecurity is never going to be perfect because there are always people out there creating more imperfections because there is always new technology. Cybersecurity is always going to be changing because there are people creating new imperfections in old technology. And there are always going to be imperfections that remain in old technology that will not be patched because the old technology is no longer supported. And some people will continue to use that old technology even though it is no longer supported. So I I know that's not really a definition, but that's because cybersecurity, in essence, has dozens, if not hundreds, of definitions at this stage. When it comes for a definition of cybersecurity, if you wanted... If you want a specific definition, the best definition I can give you for cybersecurity is that it is the practice of protecting human lives from digital threats. And why do I say human lives as opposed to digital information and digital assets? Because the greatest asset that a cybersecurity professional protects is the human life. We are no different from any other sort of security professional. We protect human lives at the greatest peak. You you always hear people joke about the Terminator situation. We're here to prevent that. If Terminator happens or something, we're here to hack into Skynet and shut it down. We're here to prevent that from even happening in the first place. We're here to make sure that never happens by all accounts. If... Something like that ever does happen? Well, that means we've failed significantly. That or we're probably already dead. But jokes aside, it's it's rarely ever that serious that a digital threat can kill humans. However, it's not impossible. Uh, back in 2011 or 2013, I believe, uh, there was a hacker by the name of Barnaby Jack I can't remember if it was 2011, might have even been earlier, but uh, this was one of the guys that actually got me into cybersecurity. Uh, but Barnaby Jack was a notorious ethical hacker and ethical hacker versus uh, actual hacker means he was one of the good guys. He searched for exploits and things and found them so that they could be patched and protected against. And one of the exploits that he found was an exploit in pacemakers. Brandon, do you know anyone that has a pacemaker, one of those implants for your heart that monitors your heart rate and can send a jolt to help uh, monitor that heart rate? What about an insulin pump? Do you know anyone that has an insulin pump for diabetes? Well, if you don't know anyone that... If you know someone that has that, Barnaby Jack also found an exploit in those as well. Uh, And for the pacemaker, he found an exploit where from about a football field away, he could hack into that pacemaker and have it deliver a 200-volt shock to the heart and make it look like it was just a bug in the pacemaker. Basically, he could make the person have a heart attack and make it look like an accident. Thankfully, that's been patched now, but again, we exist to protect human lives from digital threats. He found a bug in old insulin pumps when they were first being rigged with RF chips so that doctors could just scan into the insulin pumps and just make sure that they were functioning properly on the diabetic patients and make sure that everything was flowing perfectly and make sure everything was working smoothly for the patient, get a proper reading off of it for the patient's blood glucose and everything, make it also easier for the patient as well so they didn't have to stick their finger, they could just scan it. He could make the insulin pump dump its entire load into the patient's bloodstream. That amount of glucose could kill the patient basically. So, again, that thing, that exploit that he found has now since, thankfully, been patched, long gone. It's now safe to use those again, or at least safe from that exploit. Uh, sadly, Barnaby Jack passed away uh, back in 2014 or 2015, I believe, but just hearing about those two stories makes you realize just how dangerous some of these digital threats can be and that yes cybersecurity the practice of protecting human lives from digital threats it's it's an extreme but it's a far more realistic extreme than you think when you realize just how real and how integrated our lives are getting i mean when you think about it look at my phone here I've got a lithium-ion battery right in here, and if, if you are an engineer, you have a little bit of basic technical knowledge, that little LiPo battery, if that thing gets wired wrong or gets charged the wrong way, that's a little bomb waiting to go off in your pocket. So again, we protect you from that. We protect you from a hacker hacking into your phone and blowing up your phone's battery. It's and these are all extremes, but these are extremes that we have to consider in this field. And these are things we do with things like firewalls, endpoint security, different forms of network security, all sorts of different things. And there, there's all sorts of different things that we can consider. and it gets more difficult as we get deeper into it, and it's gotten more difficult, especially over the last few years, as everything has accelerated rapidly throughout the pandemic to a digital sense, especially with a accelerated move to cloud computing and a move to the cloud. Uh, And I can go more into that if you'd like me to.
0: Oh yeah, certainly. Uh,
1: Alrighty, so a little more about the cloud. Uh, The cloud is a general term these days. Uh, Let me pull up a couple of notes here, just on the cloud, because I'm I'm most familiar with the AWS cloud platform. Now, the AWS cloud platform is the current largest cloud platform out there uh, that is currently being used. However, it has a couple of competitors available, uh, including Microsoft Azure and the Google cloud platform. I'm familiar with both of those. However, I'm not certified in them yet. Uh, I'm only certified in the AWS currently pardon but the cloud is basically just the public internet that that's basically what the cloud is it's a broadband term for public internet if if a network isn't based on the internet and it hosts devices or services in remote locations it can still be associated with the cloud Like, how you'll have your devices and you'll have your personal cloud of devices. Because, say, I have my phone, and I have my laptop, and I have my other laptop, which I use for testing, and then I have my parents' computer, which is our shared home device, and all of them can share information digitally without any hardwired connection. They are their own personal cloud. However... I have AWS free tier and I have an Amazon AWS S3 bucket. I've got it properly configured so that it's private. Uh, That being said, make sure you, if quick little tangent here uh, for anyone listening, if you utilize AWS S3 buckets, simple storage service, hence S3, if you utilize S3 buckets on AWS, Configure them properly, please, because if you do not, they will be public-facing, and people can find them, and they can access anything that is in that. It has been around since 2017. No, Amazon is not responsible for that. It is all your fault, and no, Amazon will not be held responsible if your things are accessed and if any information is stolen from them. It has been happening since 2017. There have been severe cases as recently as 2021 and 2022. Legal tangent over. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but I have a Amazon S3 bucket that I utilize for storage, and I have a private key to that that I have given to a few friends of mine overseas. They have access to that bucket because I have that bucket stored On foreign Amazon servers as well. That bucket is accessible worldwide. However, I have to pay a few pennies a month basically to do that. But that basically acts as a simple file-sharing service. It's a basic storage bucket that's a simple file-sharing service for the few of us that utilize it. And it's, it's not necessarily the most secure, but for a handful of friends that are looking for a very cheap, very easy way to transfer simple files effectively. It's a good option. And for me, I just was the person to set it up because I knew what I was doing. Simple as that for me. Um, and I only learned about all this because I utilized the Amazon platform. Uh, And the reason I chose the Amazon AWS cloud platform as opposed to Azure or Google cloud is because the AWS platform has a lot more free training resources than the other two. That being said, I feel personally that the Microsoft Azure platform will be the major competitor to the AWS platform and might even be the one to overtake the aws platform in the coming years uh, it's actually the one being used more privately in the private sector it is being more dominantly used by the united states government and by government contractors currently uh, overseas however in the eu and the uk aws is being dominantly used uh, that's just a little blurb of information for people to know Uh, public servers that host a lot of things are currently still being run on AWS. Uh, a lot of things for those include Canvas and Zoom. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is run off of Riverside FM, Brandon. Then this is actually being run off of an AWS server currently, believe it or not. If I'm not mistaken, I could be. Feel free to fact check me on that if we have any cybersecurity specialist viewers or cloud specialist viewers or listeners. I would love to be fact checked. And if I'm wrong, please contact me. Contact Brandon. I'm sure he can probably get you my information. I'd love to speak with you. And if you want to offer me a job, hire me. (laughs) Uh, Tangent over again. Back to cloud computing. But when it comes to a lot of the cloud-based things with AWS and Azure, a lot of it has become so accelerated over the last few years because of the pandemic, because everything had to go digital. But with that, it came with so many more vulnerabilities, and everything had to evolve so quickly. That was both a great thing and a terrible thing. And I'm not sure. Hmm. Looking at the time, I think that's probably where I'm going to cut that off. I think I'll cut that off for now just by saying that the rapid growth was great for the research and development, but also horrible because that's left a lot of open-ended questions for the world of the cloud.
0: Well, thank you so much. Josh. just such, yeah, you know, such a great insight. And, and, and actually I did want to ask, so I know that both of us independently, yeah, I know both of us independently, we actually went back to listen to our previous discussion two years oh, ago. Oh boy. And so looking, so for you listening back to that conversation, I guess, what are your thoughts about your knowledge of 2021 compared to your knowledge now? Oh
1: man. Oh Oh man, I'm looking up right now because I don't want to see- I don't want them to see me blushing right now. I'm letting that go down a little bit. (sighs) Uh, Back then, I was a very excited rookie in the field. I was a very excited rookie in cybersecurity. Um... And I talked a lot of the knowledge that I was learning. I learned a lot of the buzzwords. I learned a lot of the exciting things about the field, but I didn't really know much. I couldn't really tell you a lot of the basics of what you actually need to. I couldn't tell you that I could utilize a basic MD5 hash for a secure file transfer. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you that I would utilize salt and pepper to make a password more secure. I couldn't tell you that I would utilize a rainbow table for cracking a password. I couldn't tell you how encryption and decryption actually properly works. I can do that now. I can do that in a sem- somewhat eloquent way. I can explain general cryptography. I can. I couldn't really explain in depth how firewalls work and different types of firewall. I couldn't explain stateless versus stateful filtering. I couldn't explain a firewall rule table and Yara rules and fail open versus fail close. Heck, I didn't even know the difference between fail open versus fail close at that point. Now, well, here I am. I'm I'm using all this terminology now. Just using the terminology is one thing. I can go in depth on these things. I said fail open versus fail close. Fail open—that's allowing access even if the device is in a failed state. That's if availability is more important than security. That's part of the CIA triad. CIA triad is confidentiality, it, confidentiality, uh, integrity, and availability. Confidentiality speaks for itself, keeping it between who it's supposed to be between. Uh, integrity is making sure that the file has not been modified, or whatever data it is has not been modified. Availability is making sure that the data can be accessed at any point. Uh, fail-close, on the other hand, is blocking access if the device is in a failed state. Basic uh, rules of a firewall at that point. So... Sorry, again, tangents. But again, I couldn't have told you that even two years ago. And looking at the path I was going at VCU, I wouldn't have learned that for another year. I might not have even learned that, heck, probably not even this spring semester in college if I were still there. I might not have even been learning that yet in this semester at college. So, yeah. But now here I am, I know these things, I can work with these things and I know how to work with different things. I can say with confidence that I can work with a PFSense firewall. I could work with Palo Alto networks. I can work with different Cisco switches and firewalls and network converters. I can work with checkpoint technologies. If I wanted to, I can work with a variety of Linux Microsoft, Apple, Google products, etc. I can do a rudimentary amount of ethical hacking and penetration testing. I'm still very new to that admittedly. Uh, that is something that takes a lot of practice and a lot of training and certainly takes a lot of years and a lot of research to do. And not just in the sense of learning how to hack, But also learning the legal aspects of it. There is a lot of legal aspects of what can and cannot be done in the cybersecurity world. And there's surprisingly enough, a lot that can be done, a concerning amount that can be done with legal loopholes and what is not, what has just been passed by the, by the legal system so far, mostly because we don't have a lot of tech savvy people in office that are aware of the actual issues. In the tech world. And that's concerning to me as a cybersecurity professional. And that should be concerning to the general public as well. Uh, so I, I, I won't get any more political than that for a variety of reasons. Uh, one, because I'm trying to get hired by people right now. And two, just because this is a general audiences podcast. They're, they're, they're tuning in for information and education, not for politics. And I'll leave it at that. But that, this is something that should concern anyone of any party, though, because this is just keeping you safe. Uh, this isn't a matter of restricting access to anything or taking away your rights. This is a matter of keeping people from stealing all of your personal and private information in the dead of night and getting away with it scot-free. So, yeah, I don't think you'd like it if a robber broke into your house, stole your TV, and then was allowed to just get away with it because there wasn't a law in place saying that they couldn't do that yet. So, <laughs> I, I feel like that's a perfectly neutral position to have of, like, yeah, I think everyone can get behind that. <laughs> that That's one of those things, like, eh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's okay to say. <laughs> uh but yeah, there's, there's a lot to go into there. Uh, and that's not just with the ethical hacking, necessarily. That's with any aspect of cybersecurity, because there's, with all the digital things we do, there's still a lot of paperwork. Even just applying for jobs, there's a lot of paperwork, there's a lot of NDAs, there's a lot of research that one has to do with lab testing and with training and practice. There's a lot of research in NDAs. With sharing some of this information, I had to look back at some of the things I had signed while taking classes and training and make sure I could share some of this information with y'all tonight uh, when we're recording this because, well, some of these things... And some of these bugs and hacks that I had shared earlier tonight, I needed to make sure that they had been properly patched out and were not still existing in things today, especially the stories from Barnaby Jack. Because if those still existed in pacemakers and uh, diabetic insulin pumps today, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell you how to kill someone. That's that's kind of illegal? <laughs> i think you can confirm that that's illegal right brandon yeah 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 so there's there's a lot of red tape in the industry and but it's all manageable it's all very navigatable and it's a very fun exciting industry and if any of you listening have become interested in this industry i hope to see you in it someday So hopefully on the same side as me, (laughs) Uh, please don't
0: hack me, (laughs) or you can certainly try. Well, I nevertheless love that sentiment. And I always, of course, appreciate, you know, the time that you take and especially the care that you take and, and willing to educate yeah, all of us. And I know, you know, some stuff like terminology might go a little bit over my head, but I nevertheless appreciate, you know, that you're willing to do this and speak with us. I mean, it's just so important for us to know about this.
1: Hey, man, if, you, if some of the terminology is going over your head, next time we're working together, I can just bring my notes with me if you'd like. I can just bring it all on a thumb drive. Well, actually, probably on my external hard drive, but yeah. So it's all of my stuff from all of my notes probably come to about 200 gigabytes so far uh, and that's not including my lab files once i factor in my lab files it's about 700 gigabytes uh speaking of labs for anyone wanting to get into cybersecurity and get some basic things going uh one thing you're going to need is some sort of virtualization software for lab environments just so you can do it safely you're not going to want to do anything on your host machine. So either Windows Hyper-V or a very useful, very free and open source piece of software that I use all the time, Oracle VirtualBox. That's what I utilize. Oracle VirtualBox. O-R-A-C-L-E VirtualBox. V-I-R-T-U-A-L-B-O-X. VirtualBox is one word. So yeah, just throwing that last little tidbit of knowledge out there. It's not sponsored, it's completely free. It's open source, so use it at your own risk, I guess. Uh, It's supported all the way through Windows 11. It's got support on Mac operating systems, but slightly less so. Uh, So use it at, I'd I'd say at your own risk, but it's a very, it's, it's stable. It's very stable, it's functional. I've been using it for the last year and a half now, so, Yeah, I'd say it's reliable, it's functional, go for it. And there's plenty of guides out there. There's plenty of things you can utilize. Do your research. Uh, Do do plenty of research. That's one of the major basis of this field is research, study, practice, and make sure that what you do is legal.
0: (laughs) Well, I love that. And I actually did have a quick question, too, um, before we, you know, wrap this up. And I know that these will be quick questions, but, but you oh, know, I feel it, like it, but I feel like it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask. Of course. So the first one is that you did mention that your dream job would be doing cybersecurity overseas. So are you able to briefly tell us, I guess, why would you prefer overseas? I'm just curious. Uh. Well, overseas and more specifically in the UK. And
1: I say in the UK because the UK is one of the most digitally integrated countries in the world. It may not seem like it at the first glance because it does still have some of the farming uh, towns out there around the edges of it. But when you get into London and some of the more tech integrated cities, it's practically a internet the the city itself is practically an internet of things and the internet of things is a well-known thing regardless these days because you have all these things that are connected to the internet like your alexa your lights your refrigerator your phones these objects these everyday things are connected to your wi-fi and your internet and can have different things accessed but Everything over there is connected into the internet and it's so integrated and it makes for such an interesting working environment because everything works in tandem with each other. So if I'm working over there, I know that I'm constantly connected to everywhere else even though my office would be in one location and I'd likely be on an isolated network, it wouldn't necessarily be as isolated as I think. And we'd still be in connection with everything else, which makes it so that if the ice cream shop down the street gets hacked or gets a virus, it makes it all that more possibly risky for the rest of the offices, even though our security should be far, far better than that just makes you that little more interested, that little more questioning. So it's I'll say this, the healthcare is a plus. So uh (laughs) and and also because I like to to travel. I want to travel, I want to travel and explore the world while I'm still young, while I still have the opportunities to do so, while my body will let me, while I have that financial uh capability, and while I have while I still have, as I said earlier, that Uh, just send it button attitude. And while I can take those risks and not worry about any possible repercussions, while I have that support blanket to fall back into if I need to.
0: Well, that's such a, yeah a good answer. And I I did want to make sure I asked that because you did bring it up and I feel like it, it wouldn't be right if I, you know, had ended this without asking and I guess a last thing I'll say as we yeah, wrap up before getting to the ending part is that early on um towards the beginning or maybe middle of um this discussion that that you know we did mention that prior to you even getting into cybersecurity, you know, for both your um, your training and education that yeah, of course both of us had um experience within um you know, television production as well. So, Have you been able to use some of those television skill sets in oh, yeah. your everyday life, whether in cybersecurity itself or even just in your personal life? Actually, a lot,
1: believe it or not. You would be surprised. Uh, a lot of the things that I utilize, uh, believe it or not, everything that I learned in telecom, I've been able to transfer to cybersecurity in one way or another. Cybersecurity and telecom are very intertwined, far more than you would think, Um, especially the networking aspects of them. And then broadcast security and cybersecurity and telecommunications are very hand in hand. It's it's honestly a very interesting field. So that's one of the major things I've been applying to is uh, actually a broadcast security position with various television studios. And I've I know that I can apply my skills there. And if I get a job in a broadcast security position, I know I can work a variety of positions as well. I could work a crew position, I could work set setup, takedown, etc. You and I've done that Pfft, four years worth of experience in that. Like, come on, we've done that. That's our that's we could do that in our sleep at this rate. So That's one of those things where the networking aspects and the broadcasting aspects have helped me so much in my cybersecurity journey. Every cable we've used, every piece of terminology we've utilized through that has helped me in cybersecurity, especially in the networking aspects. And then in the everyday world with telecom, and then even some of the things from cybersecurity I've utilized in the everyday world as well. Just basic, basic safety and basic, uh, idealistic things, uh, from, from a telecom standpoint, um, learning how to wrap things up better. Uh, a lot of the over unders with cable wrapping, uh, I wrap a lot of my cables that way now, uh, when it comes, whether it's my headphones, whether it's my charging cables for my phone or my laptop everything gets wrapped like that now it's faster it's cleaner it's neater it gets it tighter it gets it put away better and i haven't had a cable break in a few years now so it works um and with cybersecurity, just general tips for the everyday person that i use every day uh if you're going out turn off your wi-fi and your bluetooth if you're not utilizing your bluetooth If you're not utilizing a Wi-Fi hotspot off of a known trusted network or a known trusted data signal, have your Wi-Fi turned off. Uh, If you're not utilizing cellular data, have it turned off. It's more or less, if you're not using it, have it turned off. Don't just have it idly searching for a new connection. Same with your Bluetooth devices. If you're not utilizing your Bluetooth headphones, Have them turned off because bluejacking and feel free to laugh when you hear the term. It's the official term. Blue snarfing is a very real thing. Yes, blue snarfing is the official term. Uh, You can you can laugh. Blue snarfing is the official term for unauthorized access of information. From a wireless device through a Bluetooth connection, often between phones, desktops, laptops, and PAs, etc. I'm not joking, Brandon. That is the official cybersecurity term. We laugh at it, too. It's okay. We don't know who came up with the term, but we're going with it. Blue jacking is hijacking the Bluetooth connection, and we're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But blue snarfing? Who came up with snarfing? Why snarf? (laughs) Could they have not chosen something like blue sniffing? Because sniffing packets is the usual term of sniffing information on a line, or... Blue in the, maybe blue in the middle, because a man in the middle attack is listening in on the information between, but no, blue's (sighs) smurfing. Whoever came up with that needs to, I don't know, they need to get a virus on their computer that makes the Rickroll song play every five minutes. I don't know. No, every 15 minutes, because every five minutes would be too mean.
0: Well, nevertheless, Josh, it's always just so <laughs> great to, well, I said, to speak with you, and yeah, I always, yeah, I, I always learn so much from speaking with you, whether speaking about cybersecurity stuff or just chatting and catching up in general. And so, and so, as we're closing out, if there's anywhere that you know people can continue hearing your story or want to reach out to you or connect with you professionally, whatever the case may be. Where's the best way for people to do that? If not, that's quite all right as well.
1: Honestly, I'm not really active on many social media pages. Uh, The one social media page you might be able to find me on is my Instagram page, at CyberguyJosh. And then my LinkedIn page is uh, just my name, Joshua Stuck. Uh, those are pretty much the two places I'm the most active though I don't think I've posted on my Instagram page in almost a year maybe I think I may have posted more recently when I actually got my most recent uh, certification back in January uh, yeah I did I posted that back in January so I posted once in three months so that, that's actually a new record for me Uh <laughs> So that's, that's where you can find me at cyber guy Josh on Instagram and uh, Joshua stuck on LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, offer me a job. I'd be more than willing to consider it. Um, if you wish to offer me, if you wish to reach out to me and ask me for any sort of advice on LinkedIn or social media on my Instagram, I'd be more than willing to Offer you some sort of advice, though, depending on the type of advice you're asking for, it may come with a contracting fee. Uh, I am a technically a certified professional in the industry, after all. I, I have fair rates, I promise. <laughs> I'm not going to scalp you, I promise. I'll, I'm cheaper than Best Buy, I'll say that much. <laughs> so, yep, that's that's about where what I can tell you.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, I'm just so glad I had a chance to speak with you. But last but not least, I did want to allow a moment for anyone who may have been inspired by your story, especially how we started off this podcast. Are you able to provide whatever word of wisdom, a inspirational thought? Well, anything that you'd like, the floor is all yours, Josh. Take us away.
1: Words of wisdom. Shoot, that, that's, you know that's not my strong suit, man. If there's one thing that I can say to anyone listening, just go for it. Take a risk. Just go for it. You, because you you you're going to get a second chance anyways. 9 times out of 10 you're going to get a second chance anyways. If if you're worried about it, if you're worried about asking your family something, ask them. Your 9 times out of 10 worst they can say is no. A lot of times, your family will be a lot more supportive and a lot more loving and caring than you think they will be. Why? Because they're your family, Nabbit. And a lot more times than you think, the cliche of blood is thicker than water is way stronger than you think. And other times, if it's not your blood family that's closest to you, it's the family that you've found and chosen around you so if that's the family that you're going to trust them they'll have your back fall back on them if you need to it's the family that you choose to have your family with that matters i've cho- the family i've chosen happens to be my blood family and also some of the family that i've chosen around me but for those of you out there it might be different just know that they'll always have your back if you've chosen them They've likely chosen you, too. You've got this. All
0: I right. love that. I love that. Thanks so much, Josh. And while I, hey, hope, I, it's not, yeah, and while I hope it's not a whole two years until um, <laughs> the next time we speak on here, if it is, I so much look forward to it.
1: Well, I don't think it'll be two years until we speak to each other. It might be two years till we speak on here, though. <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I nevertheless look forward to whenever it is. For those of you watching and listening, thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to everything Josh has to say. I always really appreciate having him here. But until next time, have a wonderful day, everyone, and let's make things happen. I'll see you later. Take care. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Tansen Talk Show. A big thank you goes out to our sponsor, Descript, for sponsoring this episode. If you're interested in checking out transcription tools, be sure to find our affiliate link for Descript in the description of this episode. Also, if you'd like to check out any of our official merchandise, go ahead and find us at merch.tansenmedia.com. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the Tansen Talk Show on YouTube or anywhere you can find podcasts. Until next time, this has been Brandon, and I'll see y'all later. Take care.